Welcome to Biblical Perspectives brought to you by the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ. Join your host, Father Dr. Tom Roberts, for discussions about the Bible and related conversations about theology, spirituality, and more. Greetings and thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. I'm your host, Father Dr. Tom Roberts. What is the nature of faith, grace, and righteousness, especially in our New Testament? But we could add by that the nature of Christianity and the bases of Christian thought and ideology. Now, there's a great deal of debate today whether or not we have infusion considered as the vehicle of God's grace. And I'll comment more on that in a little bit. So please don't be concerned about these terms just yet. Or more of the evangelical approach which is, of course, God accredited Abraham. It was accredited unto him righteousness. Now, there are many schools of thought. You have some faith communities who say, well, yes, we're saved by grace and we do all we can. Then we get just a little bit of grace that comes from merit. And that kind of steps in at the end of your life and catapults you into the kingdom. That weighs very heavy on performance-based Christian righteousness. They will go to scriptures like James 2.20, which means exactly what it says. James was following possibly some close readings from the doctrine called the two ways, which was around in the first century. And what he's trying to say is I'm going to combine these two ways into the way to the Messiah, or the Hadas. And faith, pistis, and sometimes it's in other forms, like pisteo, if I act on it. What it also implies is that if I have faith in what I believe, study, say, then of course I must follow it up with or gone, or works. And if I do not have a pure heart that God is changing through life's processes of maturity and metamorphosis, then therefore I have missed the boat, said Paul. But Paul said, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, that you are not saved according to your efforts because they're not good enough. 
Nevertheless, said he, you were created for good works. So there is an ethos. There is a pathos there. Our ethics and how we behave and how we live our life is important. It's that our works are integrated from our faith. It isn't one without the other. Good works are a response to true faith in God, not of our own efforts and creation. Bible says that over and over again, but that we were created for good works. Well, of course we were. Would God create us for bad works? I hardly think so. We will be rewarded according to our works someday in the judgment. Now, if we move forward and we look at these issues very carefully, we begin to see one clear thing emerge. God wants a new man out of all of us. God wants a new creation to begin in us. Read Irwin's commentary on Colossians and you'll get a beautiful explanation of that. God wants his righteousness to reign in his people to fulfill the Feast of Tabernacles, to really succot with his people. That's what communion shows at the deepest level when he says, this is the New Testament of my blood. He is sealing the covenant. He is writing it in our hearts through divine grace. I would like to also invite you to think about this. God's grace is with you. Words like choris in the New Testament, in spite of what you may hear in church, always demand a response. If God's grace has been good to you, which how could it be bad and be grace, then you give goodness and grace and kindness or loving hesed, as it is in Hebrew, for God's goodness and irresistible grace. Well, then we begin to understand, oh, God wants me to extend towards others like a little Christ or an emissary of Christ or a Christu to other people so that they can see in God's people how God operates. Now, that's a very 
powerful issue. I believe personally, and I believe the Hebrew bears this out, that man is literally made in the literal image of God. Words like telsa, damut, for image and likeness, even though they are synonyms, are made to complete God's image in us that is celebrated in the marriage state where male and female that have been separated by the fall come back together again. It's like an atonement. You know, it's interesting. There are ancient depictions of Adam and Eve in priestly garments. Now, I do not know how accurate that is, but in early times, it is certainly known in the ancient priesthoods that God wanted man to be a family of priests, of elders who were wise about spiritual things, temporal things. And yet we've just become carnal. We have become carnal because we follow the natural man. We don't seem to understand and to grasp the idea that God is in love with his creation. Now, that doesn't mean that he is just a syrupy God who just will accept any old form of worship that we throw at him. Quite the opposite. When we meet the needs of the poor, when we set up with a friend, when life is in trouble, we are being Christus to people, little ambassadors of the great Christ. All of us in life have many challenges. We've all been through days where it's even hard to get up in the morning. But some days, when we are filled with a zest and vitality to live life to the fullest and to do things for others, not always in our domain, is one of the best recipes for happiness that I know anything about. Sometimes when we receive God's grace, we have to just simply accept life as it is. The Apostle Paul was told, my grace is sufficient enough for you. When Paul wondered why he was going to have to live with an affliction, for the rest of his life. 
We all wonder about that. And sometimes our great father will just say, you're going to have to stick it out because it will work wonders in your life. Even with God's grace, which also implies that he has forgiven us of our sins that are past when we read Romans 6. This infusion of grace will continue as we grow like a seed in grace and in knowledge until we reach the full stature as a son and daughter of God. God's not into greasy grace like many preach. Well, he has forgiven you of sins you haven't committed yet, things you're not even lawfully aware of. No, let's go back and remember some of those scriptures in Romans. It says we are saved by his life. Not by his death. His death paid the penalty for our sins because there is a breach between man and God because there has been a covenant violation. And that is why a sacrifice for all of mankind was given, so that the new Adam, the new captain, could rewrite human history in his own blood without the tainted mistakes of Adam, or Adam, if you want the older pronunciation. So that in Jesus, a new history for humanity could be written with new seed from Genesis 3.15 on forward until we would grow and have eternal life pervade the planet at a later time. Grace is not just a cheap buzzword into the kingdom of God. But like any judge, God can choose to stick it to anybody and make them pay the sentence for all the transgressions or God could do what a monarch could do in the ancient world. Say, my grace is sufficient for thee, and you walk away guiltless. And that is what Christ did for his people. And this gift has been given to humanity. I'll be right back after this message. 
Looking for an affordable online school that offers biblical, theological, and liturgical education to prepare you for social justice and ministry? St. Anthony's Liturgical House of Studies has the solution. Visit stanthonysliturgicalhouse.org for a current listing of programs and courses and to register today. The gift of God's grace has been given to all humanity. The difference is you must receive it. God can hold the gift out there time after time after time. But will we receive it? In Greece, when children get excited at a birthday, you'll hear them say, a caris, a caris, you know, a gift, a present. Man, this is exciting. And it ought to be one of the most wonderful things we can rest on is that my salvation does not depend upon my efforts alone. God wants to partner with us. Michael Gorman, in his work on Romans, has been going through, in recent years, a great deal of effort to show the church how we are to understand this partnership. See, that's what Paul is driving at when he says, these things you see me do are not I, but Christ who lives within me. Now, Paul has to open up. Paul has to cooperate. Paul has to believe and have faith and to expect God's grace to enter his life and to give him the works of righteousness as he prepares with discipline. So in the one sense of the word, God does it because he's responsible for it. On the other hand, we also have a willing vessel that makes the partnership work when we follow our captain. So should this idea of infused grace be such a problem? Shouldn't be. Dr. Richard Draper, in his commentary on Revelation, couldn't be more correct. Not just because he's a colleague of mine, but when he says we are saved by the Lord's mercy and grace, but we are saved by grace, but rewarded and judged according to our works. New Testament's always taught that. It's always had this kind of a response. If you love God, be concerned and want to keep his commandments, but don't be a legalist. 
you will not get eternal life through legalism. And you say, Doc, what's that? It's a system of dead works. See Hebrews chapter 6, where it says we are to repent from dead works. What's that? Could it be the religious things we did when we didn't know what they meant? Could it be things we did just to get in the club that had nothing to do with faith whatsoever? What did Jesus mean when he said, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity or lawlessness there. You only have a form of godliness and I didn't know you. Looks good on the outside, but on the inside, your sepulchers are white. And he didn't use that in the purest or purity sense of the word. He meant they were not what they pretended to be. Now, don't all of us need God's grace because we're imperfect? God knows we're imperfect. Alonzo Gaskell, another colleague of mine, puts it this way. The way down is the way up. And I think that's profound in dealing with the fall. If you don't believe that there was a need for a fall so we could have a rescue, then why come to God? Unless we realize there is a salvational cycle in the biblical text, and it's creation, fall, restoration, apostasy, where we fall from God again, and God brings us back from ruin in other pagan nations to reestablish his covenant. It's God who establishes the covenant in the hearts of the people. That's why Romans 3.11 says that man in and of and by himself does really not pursue God, generally speaking. Now, there have been those who have been chosen to respond to God since before the foundations of the world were laid. And that does not mean that they automatically will, because God will not force. God will not call, no matter what the Calvinists say, only those who will accept. No, there's always freedom to accept even God's provisional calling in your life. Now, just a few things more here about faith is the belief in things that he has promised he is able to complete, as Peter said. But it is also faith in confidence in things to come. Hebrews 11 chapter 1, where many great, faithful sons and daughters of God have been listed. Would you like your name 
to be in that Hall of Fame? I sure would. With David, with Enoch, with so many other great ones, Abraham, Moses. Even angels are talked about there. Will someday a report be given where you and I and our conversion stories are talked about in the new world? Oh, I sure hope so. It doesn't work as some people think it does, this subject of grace. I get it all, and then I get to judge you. If we want forgiveness, then we must be willing to forgive others of their trespasses against us. If we are forgiving towards other people, then our Father in heaven will be merciful towards us. Mercy is better than sacrifice. Even the book of Jeremiah declared that. Love is better than sacrifice. Jeremiah chapter 2. It's better. A pure heart is better than sacrifice. See the different ways the prophets expressed that view? Old Testament different from the New Testament God? I hardly think so. God is a real person. Oh yes, he has a glorified type of body, but he is a real person comprised of a male and female nature whose image you were made, who created you and I to walk in a rhythm of obedience that brings glory to his name and help, hope, and redemption for the rest of creation through God's grace. Faith, action, belief, obedience is a response to grace. The evangelicals are right about that. But I'd be very careful when people say, well, faith plus nothing is salvation. Faith plus our obedience isn't the right quotient. But biblical faith that has fruits of obedience is what God is looking for. It's what kind of faith is required for salvation. That is the real question. Greasy grace? Nah. Legalism? No. 
not at all. But what is the answer? Is God's loving kindness that leads us with his righteousness to keep his commandments. This is Father Tom Roberts saying, go with God, walk in grace, grow in love, love humanity. Until next time, this is Father Tom Roberts saying, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's Biblical Perspectives program. Tune in to the program next Thursday on WBCQ as Father Dr. Tom Roberts continues his discussion about the biblical-related topics. For more information about Biblical Perspectives and the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ, visit ecumenicalcccc.org. If you happen to be in the Los Angeles or Detroit areas, please be sure to visit the Cathedral of the Archangels and Seraphim Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ and the Cathedral of St. Anthony. To leave a comment, to support the program, or to learn more about Biblical Perspectives, St. Anthony's Cathedral of Liturgical House of Studies, and their sponsor, the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ, visit ecumenicalccc.org. This show, in cooperation with the Ecumenical Church of Christ, was produced by Ricky Insunza and Marty Arredondo of Nightwork Audio, Springtown, Texas.